In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. What is going on, all of you handsome listeners? Welcome back to The Dagger, the podcast where we cover all things NBA and the top news in all of basketball. I am Taylor Call. I am joined by my guy, DJ Johnson. Say what's up to the people, DJ. What it do? You know what time of year it is. Dion is neck deep in finals. He is sick. Send some prayers. <laughs> Sense of prayers my man's way, okay? He's going through it. So, But don't worry, he'll be back. He'll have some stuff to say. Um, probably going to have an in-depth Jason Tatum discussion while he's gone. Um, you know, yep. totally serendipitous. Yep. Um, no, but well, Dion will be back, don't you worry. But today, we're going to have a couple of very special guests on, talk NBA playoffs. I mean, what else will we talk about? There's nothing else to talk about. Playoffs, all day, every day hyped except for today kind of bullshit. yeah i was gonna say it's not all day every day i know? mean Nothing it works today. out for us i mean we got to record so you know last episode it was hard as hell to record i got the celtics game in the background like <laughs> coming down to the wire so but, i mean we're back we're glad to be back but before we jump into all that playoff stuff we got some awards to give out hooper of the week good hustle award don't you worry, we'll make up for Dion's absence. BJ, take it away with your Hooper of the Week. Hooper of the Week, look no further than Christopher Emmanuel Paul, point guard, CP3. Um, I don't know what it is. Is he is he going vegan? Is he a pescatarian? <laughs> is it fish oils, B12? My man has found a fountain of youth and is out there killing. I mean, I think last week against the Pelicans, he shot 14 for 14. <laughs> Didn't miss a shot, close out game six, put up 33 on him. And then against the Mavs, absolutely exposing the Mavs defensively, however which way you want it, you know, doesn't matter. You know, he you want fries with that? Do you want coleslaw? Do you want a dinner roll? Chris Paul is serving out all kinds of dinners on the Mavs. And I don't know, man, I think TC said the other day, he looking like 2013 Chris Paul. And if the Suns playing like this and Chris Paul is driving the ship, they only hard to stop. Yeah, I mean, voodoo, witchcraft, black magic. I mean, the dark arts are involved somehow in this resurgence. But, I mean, give me two of whatever he's having. He, For real. I mean, we called him out last episode. I mean, we said, Chris Paul's got to be better. I, he didn't have to be that good. Like, chill out. Yeah. Like, all right, Chico. you proved your point. 
I mean, game six was didn't have to be a closeout game for the Suns, but he made damn sure it was. 14 for 14. That's disgusting. Chill out. Jumpers, too. These are not layups. Jumpers. Jays. Three-pointers. Damn. Chill out with that. Yeah, very deserving. Um, I got a couple hoopers of the week. And for the first time ever, I think all of my Good Hustle Awards and Hooper of the Weeks are within the association. Really weird for me. I look far and wide for these. That's how you know things have been crazy in the association. Um, first Hooper of the Week to John Morant. And the reason is twofold. First of all, my man is going crazy ever since the last three or four games in the playoffs to close out Minnesota. And I mean, it seems like his floor for the uh, Golden State series so far is at least 40. What is he averaging? 43 points a game so far <laughs> against Golden State. Yeah. I mean, if you would have told me after how good Golden State looked that Memphis would be first of all tied in the series and could have won both of those games, I would have said you were crazy. But I mean, here we are. The reason is John Moran. He's going crazy right now. Second, secondly, and secondly, I mean, I'm pretty sure he just had the dunk of the year game. I want to say five against the Timberwolves. Yeah. Look out below. Lamar Albert with no regard for human life. Get out of the way. The man Um, had a family. That's disrespectful. This man has people who love him. His kids got to see that. He's like, that is not you. The internet is forever. The internet is forever. You make a split second decision, but that man has to live with that for the rest of his life. It just ain't right. It's not. And third, it's now threefold. It's evolving as we go. I I saw this the other day of Sean Morant got most improved award, most improved for the season. Uh, Huge shock came out of nowhere, I know. But my man took the award and no sooner did he have it, he drove straight to Desmond Bain's house and dropped that bitch off on the counter and left. He said, fuck your award. I don't want it. Desmond Bain should have got it in the first place. That's my guy. I don't want it. Give it to Desmond Bain. Huge good guy move. Huge good guy move. Desmond Bain also deserving. I mean, thanks. Thanks. You love to see that. Plenty of flowers to give out to everybody. So, John Moran, Hooper of the Week. And I also got to give a Hooper of the Week to J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was announced as an NCAA academic All American. With He's been in college, I think, two semesters now. And get this, VJ has a 4.0 GPA. Now, I'm not a, yeah, I'm not some kind of academic or anything, but I'm pretty sure that's perfect, flawless even. So, J.R. Smith, I'll be honest, I did not consider you one of the most intelligent guys in the NBA. Um, intellectual he's intellectual yeah more known to me for his substance abuse of lots of weed lots of henny (laughs) he calls himself the henny god um but i mean maybe that's what happens maybe he stops smoking weed suddenly has a 4.0 gpa but i mean regardless love to see it my man is a genius max out here grinding for that college degree way smarter than me apparently so love to see that all right, let's get negative. Enough of this positivity. Um, I got to give a good hustle award. It is with tremendous pride. I mean, the, the hits just keep coming for this guy. The awards just keep coming. Kevin Durant, swept by the Celtics. Um, not in good form during that series. One could say he was locked up or punked by the Celtics. And 
in the closing press conference, Kevin Durant's explanation for how the series went and was asked if he had any regrets. He said, no regrets. Shit happens. No regrets. Shit happens. That's what you say when you order a vanilla ice cream and they give you a chocolate. That's what happens when you, you call somebody, they don't pick up, and then they call you back two minutes later and apologize. No regrets. Shit happens. No worries. That is not how you explain how you get absolutely swept and embarrassed in the NBA playoffs. Yeah, smoked, punked. No regrets. Shit happens. Shit happens. Not to you. You're Kevin Durant. Shit is not supposed to happen to you. You make it act like it's an accident. Like, whoops, got swept. My bad. No, what? That is not how you explain that. I'm pathetic. No other words for it. Shit happens, I guess, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Fuck around and get swept in the NBA playoffs, I guess. It's, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, shit happens. You win two rings, you know. Shit happens, you get swept. Who knows? These things are a mystery, how these things happen. Who, who knows? Could be anything, honestly. Um, especially when you compare that to a quote I saw from Fred Van Vliet this week. Uh, Fred Van Vliet decided, when asked about his season... He said that I used to be underrated, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, of course. Uh, I used to be underrated. People used to disrespect me, but now I'm overrated. 20 points used to be nothing, but now, you know, that's expected. And I didn't perform the way I was supposed to perform. I'm overrated. Fred Van Vliet gets it. He had a phenomenal season, offensively, defensively. I mean, but he's calling himself overrated. He's disappointed in his performance. It means something to him. Kevin Durant, I mean, no regrets, shit happens. You you don't get it, man. You don't. You don't win an NBA championship by accident. (laughs) Like, I I don't get it. And I have a second Good Hustle Award. Um, Another quote from another NBA All-Star. Zion Williamson this week (laughs) when asked about um, his season being shut down prematurely. Um... Zion Williamson had this to say, quote, I was cleared to play, but I waited a few games to be safe. My plan was to surprise everyone and play in game seven. It sucks that we didn't advance. That was a real quote. I thought that was a joke. It sucks that we didn't advance. First of all, who is we? We would be the 2022-2023 Pelicans, for which you did not appear for a single minute. Who is we? Sucks that we didn't advance. He really said that? Yes. Like, he was going to surprise him in game seven? Like, yeah. What, are you going to pop out of the cake? Yeah. Playing game seven? You surprise! You know, like, I, I I, wanted to play, but, you know, I wanted it to be a surprise. Like, bro, that, what? You were going to surprise everyone in playing game seven? What about game six? Your team was in it. They had the mighty Suns tied up at one point. That was your opportunity. What do you mean you were going to surprise everyone in playing game seven? I... I have no words. No words. That is beyond whack. So, Zion Williamson, good hustle out there. I really hope you're back next year. Don't know what else to say. DJ, who's hustling? It is with tremendous, you know, gratitude that I give this good hustle award to, I think his name is Isaiah Lee. 
Um, this is a gentleman who decided that during Dave Chappelle's comedy show, he was going to oh walk on stage and just try to give Dave Chappelle a piece of his mind. Well, that's only one problem. My boy Dave Chappelle runs deep. The crew came <laughs> in A-Town, stomped my guy Isaiah Lee to all hell. And when they showed a picture, a video of him rolling out on the stretcher, my boy was doing the lean with it, rock with it, with his arm, you know, his neck was twisted. He looked like he had been through Hurricane Katrina after messing with Dave Chappelle. And I mean, yeah. it got rough. I'm talking like he had, he, you know, he had a tackle, a tackle for loss. He had a Ray Lewis. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, my man saw his Tim's boots, faces, all over. So Isaiah Lee, come on, man. You can't comfort Dave Chappelle. As the, as the one commercial once said, you got to be quicker than that. You gotta be quicker than that if you're going for Dave Chappelle. I mean, my man is out six to eight weeks minimum. Uh, <laughs> he is not clearing concussion protocol for a while. Um, no. Yeah, yeah. This is the ultimate example of play a stupid game, win a stupid prize. Um, yeah, if if you come at the king, you better not miss. <laughs> there are consequences. <laughs> Oh, you thought the cops were were going to be the consequence? No, sir. No. <laughs> there are worse consequences than that. Meet the crew. Meet the crew real quick. <laughs> we got the boys backstage. He probably still got a Nike sign, like, smack dab in the middle of his forehead from getting stomped out so hard. So Yeah, I mean, the boys oh, acted quick, working. too. Oh, I mean, he barely oh, yeah. got up, and there was five, six yeah. they ran six a four of them on stage. Yeah, some athletes. Oh, yeah. yeah. He looks like he just went and hired a bunch of guys straight from the NFL combine that didn't get drafted. Like, yo, come, come run security <laughs> for me. They, they were on it. They like, were ready on it. They were wishing somebody. <laughs> they was yeah, like, that. they were on him like white on rice, man. <laughs> you think Jose Alvarado plays lockdown D? <laughs> Dave Chappelle's crew, both Hooper of the week. And my man on the stage. Good hustle out there. Play a stupid game, win a stupid prize. <laughs> your prize is a boot to the mouth. Tough. <laughs> Tough. I mean, you wanted your five seconds of fame. You got it. Um, we're, we're laughing with you. We're not laughing at you. We're laughing with you. Don't you worry, my guy. All right. <laughs> we have a couple of very special guests. We couldn't have Dion, so we had not the next best thing, the better thing. We have... <laughs> The man, the myth, the legend, Papa Franklin is back. So it's up to the people, Papa Franklin. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Glad to be back. My man is back. We got Dion's brother, Tristan, in the house as well. Say what's up, Tris. Hey, what up? Super glad to have them on the pod. Huge supporters. Okay. They gas us up. They keep us going. They're giving us all kinds of ideas that I don't admit I write down immediately and implement. So <laughs> super, super pumped to have them on the pod to talk a little bit of playoff action today. So as is, tradition, as is tradition, we will start east and go west. We will start from the top and go to the bottom. So Heat, heat Sixers, man, it's been, a, it's, it's been something so far. I wouldn't, I don't, series is a strong word. Uh, it's been something. Um, Heat currently up 2-0. Games somewhat competitive, I guess. Kind of. Um, Joel Embiid's been hurt. Orbital fracture in the face. Um, 
I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure that doesn't feel good. That's what, you know, the guy from the Dave Chappelle incident has at the moment, too. Um, so you can commiserate with Joel Embiid. But, I mean, Joel Embiid was out game one and two, and it did not go particularly well. Sixers down 0-2. DJ, come to you first. Can the Sixers get back into this series with Embiid, or have they dug themselves too big of a hole? Um, I know we want to be suspenseful and make it interesting, but like this series is over. Um, I'm going to say that after watching two games, James Harden, um, clearly just not the same guy. Tyrese Maxey is the only chance I really see, and that's just making the game competitive, but you're not going to beat the Miami Heat four times in the next five games. And that's to push it to seven. Like you're not going to beat them. And Joel Embiid was the biggest advantage that they had. But, I mean, when you come from a con- come off a concussion, like, you don't really get back to yourself right away. Like, some things are still kind of – he even said that, like, he has lights around him that are it's still too sensitive. And I feel like one, one move against P.J. Tucker or if somebody swipes at the ball, first of all, Embiid has a torn ligament in his thumb and he has an orbital fracture. So, I'm like, Miami plays rough anyway. So, it's not like he's going to be out there just having his way. So, I definitely don't think – this is going more than maybe five at the most what I was projecting right now. Yeah. Papa Franklin can Philly get back in this or they dug themselves too big of a hole. Uh, I kind of I agree with VJ. Um, it's going to be depending on Embiid's health uh, to get even a, some glimmer of light uh, hope, but you know, James Harden, if you look at his history, he has he ever got out the first round of a playoff game? <laughs> I, I mean, mean I, I think he was in the Western Conference Finals yes. that one year. Yeah, but but recognize the Houston Rockets. The key word that one year, he never shows <laughs> up. He never shows up. I mean, um, he could. He, I think he's lost a step, and 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 that's um, hurting him a lot. But um, with Joel Embiid, the six, without Joel Embiid healthy, they, uh, they don't have a chance. It might go five. It might go five. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just no chance. Damn, Tris, can they get back into this or are they done? Um, I would echo everything that's been said. Um, yeah, I feel like the, James Harden is a big problem. And uh, I know like he's a great player, but – yeah, it creates a whole ecosystem around him. And I feel like that's hard to win around, especially on a new team. I mean, if you look at uh, the Sixers, I believe they did win against the Miami Heat in March, I believe it was during regular season. And that's when uh, James Harden wasn't playing. So it was this, you know, Maxi going off, um, you know, Tobias Harris, all these other role players uh, stepping up. So... Again, I hate to say it, but I do think that the Sixers have to look at the fact that, you know, when James Harden might not go that far, and that might be the reality of it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you had James Harden for or Joel Embiid from the start, maybe um, it yeah. could go seven. But considering that the Heat only have to win two of the next five, I mean, no. Joel Embiid has been dominant, but you're coming back – I mean, I say back, he still has two injuries. His face is fractured, his thumb is torn, and he gets to come back to double teams from Bam Adebayo and P.J. Tucker. That's tough. 
No, thank you. Yeah. If you think for one second the way the rest of the Sixers have played that they're going to let him go one-on-one the rest of the series, no shot. No shot. No shot. No. I mean, I mean it. Go, go ahead, Tristan. Okay. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, talking about the Sixers, I do feel like a lot of the, the, the attention and hate is going towards DeAndre Jordan. But I feel like I, I'm actually agreeing with Doc Rivers on this decision. I feel like he's not that bad of a, of a decision to start right now, just with the weapons that they have. Like, he's playing good co- drop coverage. You know, yeah, he's not that athletic anymore. But you know, I know also Bam is uh, – I think they said he scored 22 points and, like, on uh, – I can't remember, 90% uh, field goal percentage on him or something like that, which, yeah, it is kind of crazy. But that that's also uh, considering the fact that James Harden is not helping – when on those drop coverage situations. So there's a lot of compounding factors. And I feel like a lot of the hate, again, has been placed on DeAndre Jordan when I actually believe that, you know, he's, he's doing his part right now. And he's not doing that bad. But that's yeah, just my opinion. Yeah, I think I agree. If DeAndre or Jordan is who he is at this point. Like, no, yeah. he hasn't played that well, but he's a backup. Mm-hmm. Are you really expecting him to come in and drop 20 and 10? Like he, he's there to play his role. He's there to try and make it difficult on opposing bigs and like rebound. That's all he can do at this point. And to expect more from him, like that doesn't really do any good. Like he, he is who he is at this point. It's not 2014. Right. And the Sixers have much larger issues than DeAndre Jordan at the moment. Yeah. Me. Like he's not, he's exactly. not the problem. <laughs> he's DeAndre exactly. Jordan. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't played well. But, I mean, there's plenty of blame to go around. It's not like, oh, man, if DeAndre Jordan was playing better, we'd be up 2 <laughs> What? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> very convenient scapegoat. Um, but, since, but since his name keeps coming up, let's, let's talk about James Harden. Um, topic of conversation, you could say, these days. James Harden, I mean, let, let's call a spade a spade. Hasn't, hasn't taken over. Hasn't played well. Um, which begs the question, is James Harden washed? Just straight up. Is, do you think he's washed, Tristan? Is, is he washed? I would, I would say so. I mean, not to be too harsh. I just felt like uh, the number one thing is he did lose that quickness. Even though he lost it maybe by like, you know, 20%. That's all he needed in the past to be the guy off the first dribble and like being an adventure, advantage advantageous uh, situation right off the, after the pick and roll. So I think that now that uh, teams have more time to recover after a pick and roll, they have figured out how to stop it and like deal with it so that he doesn't, you know, go crazy with the, the Euro set, the, the alley hoops and all that that comes after that. So again, it, it might be harsh to say, but I do believe that that like minimal speed, decrease has impacted his game a lot and he's not able to win as much like or impact the game as much right now so yeah watch the lead dj you think he's washed um i think he's not washed but i think there is things that are factors of why he's not playing well i think the hamstring never fully healed or he never got right after the hamstring it seemed like with Brooklyn last year but I also think what we talked about a lot this year was the rule changes for fouls and whatnot like that took away a lot of what James Harden was effective with 
So not only is he not, like Tristan said, he's not explosive and he's not getting that first step on people, but now without that burst, people are being physical and the refs aren't calling it. So now he's forced to throw something up or he has to just pass, which I think why his assist are up. He was second in the league in assists this year. I think that's because nine times out of 10, he couldn't score on people, so he just passed it out. So I don't think he's washed, but I think he's on his way. And I think that with the combination of his hamstring injury and the physicality of the game right now, it's making it tough for Harden to be effective because he was he 33, 32. So he's not a young guy anymore. And all the ways he played in Houston, I think it's taking his toll on him. Like the way he was shifty is just not there anymore. So he's on his way to being washed. I don't know if he's there quite yet though. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at of, it kind of doesn't matter in a, in a way. Is he totally washed? No. I mean, he can still give you 20 and 10 pretty easily. But, I mean, I mean and he's still going to be a regular season bucket getter. But mm-hmm. I, I agree with you, VJ. If his body isn't what it used to be. And, it, I mean, it's hard for me to think that the way he took care of his body isn't a factor. I mean, he doesn't strike – he. He doesn't strike me as a subscriber to the Mamba mentality. Um, Let's see at the club. Yeah. uh, We're going hard at the club. Yeah, (laughs) but I mean, the the phrase that, you know, the announcers keep using in terms of his first two games in the Heat series has been that he hasn't been aggressive enough. How is that possible? How, How is it possible that when your best player is out and your team needs you to step up the most... People are looking at your performance and wondering that you're not being aggressive enough. How is that possible? You should be, you should be saying, people should be saying he's being too aggressive. He's pressing. He cares too much. What do you mean you're not being aggressive enough? And I totally agree, by the way. He's just like acting like it's just another game. Like, oh, well, if we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. You know, I'm not just going to start. Like, you need to find a way to win those games or have a terrible game trying like I do think it's better to have a terrible game trying to win it than have a bad game not really caring about the result and that's what it looks like James Harden is doing to me Papa Franklin what do you think I think it's a combination of losing a step and coaches are figuring him out and planning uh, better defensive schemes against him um you know, with the new rule changes, I think it favored coaches in their different defensive schemes against him. And he, he has to figure that part out himself, as well as, you know, um, everybody come to a point in their life where you are going to be on the decline, but you can still be effective. You know, if you're not going to be the old James Harden, you got to, like you said, Taylor, you got to figure out how, how to win and maybe make other players a lot better on the team. Yeah, you might have 15, 16 assists and 10 points, but we win. I'd rather have that than a washed-up, you know, shooting five for, for 25 or something like that. I mean, but we, we just saw Chris Paul go absolutely crazy the past four games against the Pelicans and the and the, um, and the the Mavericks. I don't want to hear, like, Chris Paul is clearly on the decline, but when his team needs him – he is going to get you there one way or another. He doesn't care if he has two points. He doesn't care if he has 30 points. Chris Paul is going to get you over the hill. 
But that, that, but that's the my point. I'm, uh, point you made earlier is that he doesn't strike you as a mama mentality. James Harden doesn't have that, and I don't care how much you put in front of him, he's not going to just get it all of a sudden. He either you you do or you don't. And that's it. I mean that's uh, that's what I believe. So Chris Paul is a different. Problem. I think it's a problem of like him being stuck in the past. Like, whereas players like Chris Paul and LeBron James, as they got older, they adapted their like game plan. Like LeBron is shooting more threes, being more efficient from the outside the arc. Uh, James Harden hasn't done that. I believe that he's still trying to play like he was playing in Houston. You know, a bunch of iso ball, pick and rolls, and again like the the attacking the rim to the alley combo. So I think in order for him to I guess not be considered washed or just like getting back into being a great player. He has to figure out a way to evolve his game um, to be, you know, more aggressive, you know, shooting more from outside the arc or again, getting more teammates involved and not keeping the ball stationary as much as he used to do. Yeah. I think it's also a long, I totally agree of he hasn't adjusted his game to where his athleticism is, but I also think it's an attitude thing too. I think he considers himself one of the best players in the league still. And, I mean, the numbers show that he isn't that guy anymore, I think. You look at a guy like Carmelo Anthony. I mean, he's still a pretty effective NBA player on some levels, but he had to first be humbled and realize what he was. And then, like Tristan's saying, adjust his game to where he was physically. And, like, he's not elite anymore, but he's still effective. He was yeah. the Lakers' best player at some stretch. I know, I know that wasn't very hard to do, but still, I mean, he was he was an effective player last year. It, it comes with an attitude change, and so James Harden is going to have to look in the mirror at some point, or he might be out of the league at some point. Well, I think too, like what Tristan was just saying, all great players, like once they know they lost a step and they reinvent their game, like you see, you saw it with Kobe, you saw it with MJ, LeBron, to some degree. Um, even Chris Paul sometimes, they go to the post. Like, they get the ball out of their hands and they get to the low block and they kind of wait for the game to come to them. That gives them – that builds in rest and that kind of allows them to feel the game. I I feel like James Harden, like we were saying, he's so used to the ball being in his hands. At the age of 32, can he develop that that skill of going to the low post and developing, like, a different skill set? Because that might help, but is he willing to do that? I don't know. Good question. I mean, it, it, we'll, we'll see going into next season. Hard to say right this second. But in terms of this series, oh, yeah, he's washed. No question. Um, let, let's, let's get to some predictions for the rest of this series. So, like I said, Miami up two games to zero. All of us saying the Sixers are not going to come back. So then, BJ, how many games do you think it's going to take for the six, Sixers to get closed out? Uh, I originally had Heat in six, but I'm going Heat in five. I, out of respect, I will say Sixers may get one, but that is just purely out of respect for Joel Embiid. That, but I think it'll be five games. Papa Franklin, how many games do you think the series goes? Heat in five. I agree with um, VJ. Um, they'll make they'll they'll win one in Philly, and that's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Kristen, you agree? Couldn't agree more. I mean, five sounds good. I think, yeah, the first game that they're going to be back in Philly, they're going to get that one. 
So they're going to be like 2-1 and then just lose two in a row. I think the Heat are just going to come back, you know, right back. And, yeah, they have too many great players, too many ways to win and score and defend. And it's going to be too much for the, the 76ers. And, yeah, they're going to be home. Gentlemen's sweep, as you call it. I, I can't believe I'm about to give – the Sixers credit, but I'll say it goes six games out of respect to Joel Embiid. Um, he's a great player. That's that, that's what happens with great. I mean, I guess we'll see. You know, okay. Like, I mean, this okay. Joel Embiid is playing with house money at this point. I mean, he's beat up. He's hurt. His team is dug an O two hole for him. Um, I mean, let let's see if he can make this series competitive. That will continue to build on his greatness. If they come back and they get swept, even with Joel Embiid, I mean, I don't think I necessarily think less of him, but I mean, you know, a little bit of a missed opportunity. This team has got to compete a little bit with Joel Embiid. So let's, let's see how great Joel Embiid is. All right, then let's shift to Bucks versus Celtics tied one game apiece. And I mean, it's technically tied, but those two games could not have been any more different. Uh, game one, Bucks come out and kind of blew the doors off the Celtics. I'll be honest, bullied them a little bit. Celtics shooting extremely poorly. And then the Celtics responded and kind of blew out the Bucks a little bit. They were hitting everything. Um, they were in control of that game pretty much from start to finish. I think the Bucks cut it to 10 or 12 at one point, but Celtics were in control from start to finish in game two. So let's just start with that game one. Uh, VJ, what did the Bucks do in game one that was so effective? They were more physical, I feel like. And I think Boston said that they weren't ready for that kind of physicality. I think coming off a series of Brooklyn, it's very much night and day where you go against a capable defense and you got solid defensive schemes. And I think one thing that I don't know if this is a help or hurt to Milwaukee, obviously Chris Middleton is out. So Bud elected to go super big in the lineup. So instead of bringing in like a Pat Connaughton or Grayson Allen in the lineup, he inserts Bobby Portis into the starting lineup. So now you have 6'10", Bobby, you got 6'11", Giannis, seven foot Brooke Lopez. And I think Boston was not ready for that kind of size because they didn't see it against Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn has – legit all guards and Kevin Durant and Nick Claxton are the only forwards. So I think the physicality and the size Boston wasn't ready for because they shot 53s in game one. And I think that's because they literally could not get to the basket because it was so much size on Milwaukee side. So physicality and size definitely kind of was the difference in game one. Yeah. At the same time, I agree of like that Portis Lopez Giannis lineup is just huge. But then you pair that with uh, Drew Holiday and Javon Carter harassing the ball, throw Grayson Allen in there too, and that becomes a very difficult group to score on suddenly. If you combine that size with really good on-ball defenders with Javon Carter and Drew Holiday, and suddenly the perimeter starts to close up a little bit too in -hmm. terms of making your own shot. And so the only thing that was left was passing out to threes, which did not work in game one. But I won't spoil game two. But Tristan, what what worked for that Bucks in that game one? Um, well, I do believe that I felt like even for the Bucks, it wasn't a great game overall. I do think that um, there was an anomaly in that game that was Jalen Brown. He played. He didn't play particularly well. 
Um, I mean, even Jason Tatum, I don't think he played great. I can't remember the, the the stats that he pulled up in that game, but I do believe that a lot of their their best players didn't play specifically well, and I think that goes into what BJ was saying that they weren't ready for that. Um, and so, I mean, in that in that case, I do I can kind of see how it can be, uh, you know, considered an anomaly, same as game two, which, uh, like you said, we're gonna talk about later. Um, so I think going forward, the, the series is gonna be much more competitive, you know, like each game. But yeah, for the first games, you know, like they, the Bucks just stick with what they know, you know, yeah, it's going to work. Uh, uh, role players stepping in, like stepping up, like uh, Grayson Allen. I think they were shooting lights out, like Grayson Allen was shooting great from three. Uh, Wesley Matthews was shooting great from three. So they had a good mix of everything. Um, they mixed it up and they played their, their game plan. They, everything went well. Now it's just going to be about, you know, keeping that up and we'll see now that both teams have settled, you know, who's going to come up on top. What do you think, Papa Franklin? What what was working for that Bucks in the game one? Oh, uh, the first game for me is was the uh, bigness and the physicality. When you have a front line that that tall and playing physical, you, you can't drive. And you know, uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they 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 work inside out uh, most of the time in their games. And when you shoot mostly you know threes, and it, at a a decent game, 36, 37, um, 35, 36% clip, and you're not getting any rebounds, that means you're limited your possessions. When you eliminate possessions uh, and, and, and Bucks getting uh, getting more possessions, obviously you get more points, you know, more opportunity to score. That was the biggest factor for me was the, the rebound disparity and um, their physicality. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all that. Um I mean, also, I have another thing that was working for the Bucks. I mean, if we want to just take a deep dive, um, you know, into the deep analytics and, you know, I want to bring up something that um, most people don't know about, and that is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo was working for the Bucks, And I, I said this in our group chat. Uh, this is what makes that game is what makes Giannis, in my opinion, the best player in the league. Uh, nightmare first half did not play well in the first half Celtics you could even say slowed him down or stopped him in the first half I think he had five or ten points at halftime somewhere around there clearly frustrated in the first half he comes out in the second half like nothing ever happens and at some point the Celtics defense it didn't stop but it wore down Giannis started to find those holes as his defenders got tired and started to get more fouls and Giannis just keeps coming. He never stops. I don't know how a man that big and that strong is in that good of shape. I will <laughs> never understand. My man just gets on the floor and just runs sprints for three hours. He doesn't stop. He gets the ball. Right. He's immediately trying to push. He's in for a rebound on every play. Takes no plays off. Banging, getting elbows, giving elbows, giving charges, taking charges. He's everywhere. He doesn't stop. And in the fourth quarter, it clearly shows. And that's no slight to anybody else in the NBA. Nobody else is that conditioned and nobody else has that will. And he clearly wore down the Celtics by the end of that game. They were frustrated. He keeps coming. Robert Williams even blocks him a little bit from behind, goes off the backboard. Okay, self you. no problem. <laughs> I know what's doing that. <laughs> 
Giannis is just relentless. He is that dude. I think he ended up with what, like 30, 35, 10 rebounds. Who knows? Like, yeah, triple double. Yep, triple double in an Mr. off game. Got a triple double. Absolutely insane. I mean, my eyeballs tell me that Giannis is just that dude. And yes, he was that dude in that game. But I mean, you have to also look at just comparing him to what we talked about earlier with James Hard- uh, James Harden. You know, Giannis had a, was having a bad game, but he find found a way to win. This mm-hmm. is what James Harden has to do: find a way to win, even if it's not scoring or something, something else. Yeah. Uh, exactly, and that proves exactly what I was saying. If you will never blame, I, I will firmly believe in his career. I will never say the words Giannis needs to be more aggressive. I don't think <laughs> no. all those words will ever escape no. my lips. Mm-hmm. He, he may cost his team the game. I mean, that's just the nature of being a star in the NBA. You're going to have off games, but I don't think it's ever because he's not aggressive enough and he's not trying and he doesn't have the will. I mean, he's going to do too much. He's going to get himself in foul trouble sometimes. He's going to miss. He's yeah. going to get frustrated. But, but at he's least he's never, trying. Yeah, he's never going to be not aggressive enough. And that's why his team wins games. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a clear correlation to that. So, right. I mean, let, let's switch up to game two then. What was working for the Celtics in game two, Papa Franklin? I think uh, they they drew the bigs out from from down low, and they matched their physicality with them. I mean, when, when um, you know, Jalen Brown went off on that game, inside and out. So in order to get inside, he had to draw one, at least one or two bigs out of the, the paint to be able to do that. Yeah, and I totally he, agree. And Yudoka is not, you know, he's come from the University of Popovich, and so he knows how to make adjustments. He knows how to make adjustments. Yeah, I was about to say, so far the Celtics have been the king kings of adjustments in the playoffs. Okay, Kyrie smokes us in game one of the Nets series. Okay, let's make some adjustments. Never heard from him again. Okay, right. And I think part of the, what worked for them is they didn't make adjustments. Okay, I think what they said is, you know, they watched the tape. Okay, we're getting great shots. They're just not going in. Mm-hmm. And and that was my question after game one. Of clearly that was a bad game for the Celtics. But how much of it was any things they need to fix versus ball just wasn't going in? And which I mean begs the question in game two, how much of it was they were just hitting everything versus I, it's hard to say. <laughs> it's hard to say yeah, because yeah. in game one they two hit very nothing. Different games. <laughs> yeah, in game one they hit nothing. In game two, they hit everything. So, I mean, and we'll talk about that in a second, but two just completely different games, but also good coaching from Yudoka to not overreact and change everything. Like, we're getting the looks we want. It's there to stay the course. As a first-year head coach, I'd probably freak out and change everything. So, really good at some good adjustments on defense, no adjustments on offense, and proof is in the pudding game, too. Second thing is Jalen Brown needed to have a game like that. He was absolutely unconscious in the first half. And it had been a while mm-hmm. since we had heard from Jalen Brown that way offensively. And he was abysmal in game one. So good to see him bounce back um, in such a big way and to see the ball go through the net for him. BJ, what was working for the Celtics game too? Um, I didn't have a lot that they had to change. All I said was they made outside shots. Um they shot 53s in game one. Like I said, they shot 43 more in game two. Difference is they were hitting them this time. You know, Grant Williams is basically like Al Horford Jr. Like it's like looking in a mirror, essentially. Same same guy, physical defender, hits threes. And I think Giannis having to deal with that, 
I think that was the biggest adjustment too, was showing him two bodies, two physical guys. And Giannis really couldn't attack in space. And like I said, it was very similar to the 2019 Raptors series where they, they didn't build a wall, but they're showing him almost, you know, three to two to three guys at a time. So, and I think too, you know, the Celtics stopped doing this for a little bit, but without Marcus Smart as the point guard, they kind of played ISO ball a little bit more. And I don't think the Bucks were ready to defend in ISO situations because that's why I think Jalen Brown really opened it up. And like I said, if you're going to shoot 43 threes and make 20 of them, you're going to beat damn near anybody you play. Tristan, what, what, what impressed you with the Celtics in game two? Uh, I'm pretty sure that was an historic like shooting performance. 65%, I believe, from three. It's, like, unprecedented. And, I mean, it wasn't even, like, bad defense, per se. You know, like, uh, I, I believe that the Bucks were closing out on a lot of threes. Um, yeah, they were just hitting them. And, I mean, home court advantage, also, like, obviously plays a role in that. Um, I do believe that it's not going to happen again this series. Um, that's just my prediction, that they're going to shoot like that. Um, but... I mean, like, like also, like you said, Jalen Brown stepping it up. You know, he figured, like, he, he came out strong, which he needed to do after that first performance. Um, scored so many points in the first uh, in the first quarter, and it wasn't even, like, just about the points themselves. It was about sending a message and, like, carrying that momentum. Like, I, I think he dropped Grayson Allen, which was great for them. You know, get the crowd involved. That's, that's always a good thing. So I, I do think that if you can get to the emotions of it, like if you can get uh, your crowd into it, you can get like your team's momentum, you can't beat the Bucks because like the Bucks like to be very even tempered and even like, you know, stressful situations. They don't panic. They try to stay very calm, stick to the game plan. But if you have that high energy all the time, like they can't keep it up, and which is what they did on game two, I think they can, they, they can have good success in this series. Yeah, I mean, it's weird to say, but I honestly, I've liked the game plan from both teams. Uh, I don't think yeah. the Bucks have a bad game plan at all. Of Let's take away Jason Tatum as much as we can. Um, you know, just stick Drew Holiday on him, make things difficult, try and make it so he can't go off the dribble, and then clog up the paint with bigs, and we're going to let uh, Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams, and, you know, Derek White – shoot them out of this series. I don't think that's a bad game plan, to be honest. But, I mean, they got a, a lot of good looks, and they hit a lot of them. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's a risk you take. But I, I would take that risk. That's that's not a bad gamble, in my opinion. Yeah. So, and just echoing, like, the defense that they did on Giannis so far. I mean, the Boston's defense is very impressive. And, like, I thought Al Horford was, you know, oh, I, I felt like he couldn't really do much at this age. Sorry, Uncle Malo. <laughs> but I mean, he, yeah, he's proving you wrong. Yeah, I think Al Horford and um, Grant Williams. Williams have done a great job on Giannis. And I mean, Giannis is still effective, but that tells you how good he is. Yeah, he's still getting his numbers, but it's de he's definitely working for it. He, yeah. Uh, he yeah. It. yeah, and he's, he's frustrated at points. That's about all you can yeah. do. <laughs> yep that's that's all you can do so then with we keep talking about this huge difference between game one and game two uh bj which one is the real celtics which, which um, one is the outlier and what can we expect more of 
So game two to me, I think, is obviously the outlier because Tristan was just saying it. That's the record margin to outshoot somebody from three. Like, they outscored it from three by 51 points. Like, the Celtics made 20, the Bucks made nine, like 60 to nine. Like, I don't think that's going to – I mean, they made three threes, sorry. So 60 to nine, like, outscoring somebody from 51 points from three. I don't think that's ever, like, going to happen again unless you are telling me that the Golden State Warriors with KD are suiting up, <laughs> like the Splash Brothers, because <laughs> I think it, it'll regress to the mean. I don't think they'll shoot as bad as they did in game one, but they won't shoot as good as they did in game two. Yeah. But I think somewhere in the middle of that is the real Celtic team. Um, but it's, it's not about the threes for them. It's about the defense. Like I think that'll always be constant for them. But I do not expect them to outscore Milwaukee by 51 again from downtown. No, I agree. And it, it's cheating, but I'm going to say both. Both game one and game two were outliers. That was yeah. maybe – I wouldn't say the worst game I've seen the Celtics play. Um, they did still play good defense, but um, offensively yeah. not not a good game at all game one. And game two may have been the best game they played all year. Could not miss. Peyton Pritchard is hitting step backs. I mean, Grant Williams is what, like five for six from deep? Like that, that's not going to happen again. And I don't expect this series to be any more blowouts. I think it's going to be really close games from here on out. Yeah. And I, I think the truth is going to be in the middle. What do you think, Papa Franklin? Yeah, I, I agree with both of you guys. I think I agree with both of you guys. It's going to be somewhere in the middle because, again, no one shoots that well. I mean, you just – that's almost damn near perfect from the three. And so um, – what was probably gonna the game is gonna rely on is obviously the players, but the coach's strategy from here on out, uh, because they know what each other can do right now. Um, so you know, will will the Bucks go with a little bit smaller lineup to to, to contend with the threes, or or will the will the uh, will the Celtics, you know, go big a little bit? You know, start Harford, Grant Williams, and Time Lord. Who knows the next game? Next game is going to be a, a kind of a defining moment to me uh, of the series. I still think it's going to go seven, six or seven. But I think the next game is going to be where we see the real team that's going to going to prevail, and then have to how they're going to make adjustments to that team. Yeah, I mean, so like you're saying, Pop Frank, let's let's get our predictions in. Tristan, who wins the series and how many games do you think it goes? Ooh. So I think it's going to be uh, Bucks. They're going to win. I believe they're going to pull it. Um, they won a championship. I know they lost B.J. Tucker, but I think they have that. They're just so solid and they know what it takes to win. So I think they'll pull it. Um, they pull through eventually. And yeah, I, w- I would say game seven. There's no way that this series, if this game, if this series doesn't go to seven games, it's a disservice to the to the NBA, to the basketball world. Like it has to go because it's just so entertaining, and both teams are so competitive, and they're they they they're such a they're both solid teams with great coaches, you know, great players, role players, stars. Um, I feel like it's just gonna be a back and forth, you know, like like you said, TC. Uh, these games are not going to be blowouts from now on, I believe. Um, they have kind of adjusted themselves into the series, and I think this is going to be like a chess match. You know, one team is going to do 
more of this in one game, like maybe more zone coverage, more, you know, more drop, more hedge action, you know, more three, more three shooting, more, more physical, more aggressive. This is going to be a back and forth of game plans. And eventually, like I said, I do believe that the Bucks are going to win, but it's going to be a war. Yeah, I agree. Um, BJ, who wins it in how many games? Um, I'm going Bucks in seven. Very similar route to last year's championship. Three seed on the road. Game seven, two seed. So, yeah, got Bucks in seven in the garden. Um, I'm going to shock you guys. Um, I'm I'm sticking with the Celtics. Um, what? I, I, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, obviously, Chris Middleton being out hurts the Bucks. Marcus Smart being out hurts the Celtics. But I – I, I maybe it's irrational, but I, I think the Celtics are playing about as well as anybody. So I, I think they can pull it out in seven games. But I mean, it's it's going to be a war. You know, I, I I lean towards the Celtics because of Chris Milton being out, and I think it's going to go game seven to the last possession, one possession game. Um, and I think uh. I can't, I'm leaning to, without Chris Milton. I'm leaning towards the Celtics, and I, I and I truly believe I'm taking. I'm saying it right now that the winner of this game will be the eventual champs. Ooh, the eventual champs. Okay, we'll see. I don't know about that. Uh, I know. I mean, we're we're gonna go west here to Suns. Okay, yeah. Later. You're also yeah, you're you're on the Celtics with me, Papa Franklin. Celtics and yes, seven. I am. Yes. Love to see it. Love to see it. I am. All right. I know, I know Dion would have a fit right now. How? <laughs> oh. And his lawyer debating <laughs> skills come out. <laughs> Your words, not mine. All right, let's go West. Um, Suns versus Mavericks. This series has been insane so far. Suns up two games to none. Um, Luke has been spectacular. But... We need to put out an ABB. We have Amber Alert something. Where are Spencer Didwitty and Jalen Brunson? Where where are they in this series? EJ, do you think they step up or do you think they continue to be missing? Um, as much as I would love for them to step up and help Luca out, I truly feel like this these are bad matchups for Brunson and Dinwiddie because you have a lot of guard depth with Phoenix. And you have bigger guards, more athletic guards than what Utah had. And I feel like this is actually a a better matchup for Phoenix than New Orleans was because New Orleans had younger athletic wings too. But I feel like Dinwiddie and Brunson are having challenges with, you know, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, campaign, chasing Landry Shamit off the three. So I feel like they will continue to struggle and – offensively they can't get a rhythm because the sun's defense is good and because Luca has the ball so much in his hands. So I think they're having a tough time selling into the game. So I don't think that they make a significant impact the rest of the series. I agree with you on that because I think that uh, Jalen Bronson needs the ball in his hand kind of like almost as much as Luca needs it and to, to be effective. And when he, when, if you notice in the past, when when Luca's on the court, Jalen Bronson have decent games, but he doesn't have no forty one point games. You know what I'm right. saying? So I think that's going to be they, he has to figure out a way to how to play with uh, Luca 
uh, at times. So I agree with you on that. Yeah. What do you think, Kirsten? You think Luke gets some help in this series or is he a lone wolf? Well, I might be uh, on the opposite side on this. And I know, again, is going to be furious. But I do think that, like, partially is because of Luca. Like, the reason why Jalen Brunson was going off is because you had so much freedom when he was by himself. Luca, I hate to say this. Well, I hate to say this, but, like, he's like James Harden back in Houston. It's Everything is stationary. Everything starts with him in the ISO ball. He holds the ball too long. He holds the ball too long. And, I mean, I, I'm – I want to bring up examples. I think one of them was um, in a jazz series where it was like down to the wire. One of the games that they lost, he got double teamed. And instead of making the pass right away, he like tried to dribble and try to get open and pass it at the last second, give Spencer Dinwiddie not, not enough time to make that shot. And they lost because of that. So I do believe that, that there's some truth to that. There's like, there's uh, uh, an aspect of his game that he has to develop, which is, better like understanding of getting his teammate involved like passing it more you know getting them going because it's not only about you getting like he was getting like he was getting hot he was going you know he was he came out with the heat but did you do enough for your teammate did you put them in the position to succeed as well I think that's what he's not doing right now but I think that's something that he can develop as he grows as a player yeah yeah I mean, the Mavericks are clearly in a pattern of guys trying to create their own shots. And it's working for Luka. Luka can create his own shot. He is absolutely gross during some stretches. Uh, What he can can do at all levels. He can do it posting up. He can work in the high post. He can go off the dribble. He can step back, hit threes. It's insane. But, I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson are also trying to go off the dribble. And maybe some of that does fall on Luca if he's not putting them into good positions to succeed. Maybe that's, you know, on Dinwiddie and Brunson for picking bad matchups and trying to attack the wrong matchups. But they they need to be better. But I agree with you, Tristan. I don't think it's completely off of Luca. He has been spectacular right. on offense. Don't don't get it twisted. Oh yeah. He is totally. gifted, gifted scorer. He does things that other guys just can't. But that doesn't mean he's without blame. He can score the ball, but the, the the Mavericks offense is not clicking the way it needs to. And some of that does fall on Luca. But and I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I do think that you see it multiple times. Like Luca is a very emotional player. And I think that's something like, you know, us Europeans do, I believe. You know, I'm a very emotional guy. I mean, when I play basketball, I get heated. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that he is taking that matchup with Devin Booker very personally. You know, Devin Booker talks a lot of smack, which is very known. Like KD says that everybody at the top says that they they know him for talking a lot of smack. So I think that Luca wants to prove that he's the best, but he's not winning that battle because Devin Booker just has so many like weapons around him, so many like like Hall of Famers caliber players that. He's not. He's not seeing the full picture. He just like has tunnel vision right now. He wants to. He wants to get his revenge. He wants to get his buckets. Show that he's the one. But it's not good for the team overall. If that makes sense. I have a Devin Booker talking smack point, so I'm going to interject here. I have. By the way, I have mm-hmm. a conspiracy theory that what started the downfall of Ben Simmons was oh, the Sixers Lord. and the Suns played in about March last season 
and Devin Booker absolutely cooked Ben Simmons. Okay. Okay. And I think that's what started the fall because as we know, what is Ben Simmons connection to Devin Booker? That's right. That's Kendall's ex. And if you get fried, if you get absolutely fried on national television by your girl's new man, I mean, that's tough. That's that's what started the downfall of Ben Simmons. You can quote me on that. All right. Anyway, back back to Luca and the Mavs. <laughs> in this match, I got so much to say about Ben Simmons. Oof. Don't get me started. Oh, All right. Oh, that's, that's a whole podcast. podcast. Oh, I, I cannot. Stand I won't get you started. Two I'll get you started on Ben Simmons. We we might talk about the Nets here in a little bit, but um, yeah. I mean, VJ, what what do the what do the Mavs have to do to get back in this series? Um, I think Luca, like we all keep saying, he's got to trust his teammates. Um. And I think you can tell by the time they get to the fourth quarter, he's exhausted because I think he's doing so much through the first three quarters. So I think he has to trust them and let them kind of get the flow of the game, let Brunson and Dinwiddie kind of settle in. I think that'll actually help the Mavs because your stars get paid to bring it home in the fourth quarter. So I think that'll bring a little balance to the game. And I think, too, that the Luka has to at least try on defense. Like, I'm not saying you got to be a stopper. But too many times, even yesterday, I saw Jay Crowder blowing past Luka and getting drop-off passes to the bigs. That shouldn't happen. Like, there's no way your best player should be hunted down on defense every time. Like, Chris Paul is asking for the matchup for Luka Doncic because Jason Kidd can't say, oh, I'm going to bench my best player. That's not going to happen. So I think Luka, he's been spectacular, obviously, and he's doing all he can, but I think he can do much more. So defensively, I think he has to step up. And I think Dinwiddie and Brunson have to kind of take some ownership in the first half of the game and tell Luca, we got this. You come in when we need you in the fourth. Yeah. Along with that, um, the guys on I, I totally agree. Uh, Mavericks either need to hide Luca or Luca needs to play better on defense. But also, the stoppers on the Mavericks need to stay out of foul trouble. Reggie Bullock, Dwight Powell, Dorian Finney-Smith need to stay on the floor, and they're not doing it. And we can see that when they're off the floor, the Suns get whatever they want. And I mean, whatever they want. Yeah. So yeah. Mavericks are a good defensive team. When, but when those guys are in foul trouble, they're not the same team. Those guys got to stay on the floor. Got to stay yeah. on the floor. Tristan, what do the Mavs got to do to get back in this series? Well, yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Because I personally believe that they don't have the weapons. They don't have the, the facilities. And they <laughs> get the facilities for that big one. Um, yeah, I I don't think they can do it. I mean, uh, just like the Bucks and the Celtics, I think the Suns are up there as the most complete team. There's just, I mean, it's even like beyond statistics. You just look at the eye test. When you look at the the Suns play, uh, the Suns t- uh, team play, you can just. You, you can just tell, like, I feel like the Mavs are helpless. I just – I can tell that the Suns are going to win every time just by how they play. Like, it's about how easy they can score. You know, like, the Mavs have to work so hard to get every single bucket. And like VJ said, then Luca at the end of the game, he's tired. While the, the Suns just make this look so effortlessly, effortlessly because they got good defense. They get some steals. They get on a fast break. But they also can shoot. You know, they can drive. They got – size they have everything they have they are a complete package that i mean unless i think it would take like a phenomenal 
almost like a Celtics performance from three. Maybe like that'll draw out more attention uh, through the three-point line. Then you can attack more at the rim, um, get more rebounds, offensive rebounds if you draw them out. So if they start shooting lights out, lights out, I can see it. But then again, the Suns have great defense, and they can. If you watch them play in defense, they can recover everything. Like they'll, they'll miss, you know, maybe miss a steal. So you have one man like down, but they still like all rotate to get to the to the open spot, and they can, you know, close out so quickly that you don't even realize that they were at disadvantage for a second. So I mean, like I said, they're so solid. I. I don't think the Mavs can win this series. I I believe that maybe uh, one of the one of the games in Dallas they can win because of the home crowd just cheering them up. They're probably gonna make like a lot of threes, good percentages, um, and tough out like a one good game. But with Devin Booker playing, like their whole the, the whole Suns team playing is if they are healthy, I don't think the the Mavs gonna get this one, unfortunately. Yeah, I totally agree, Tristan. Um, with that being said, I mean, what, what's your prediction then? How how does it end and how long does it go? I want to – oh, man, that's tough. I actually think – no, I'm going to give him one. Okay, four to one. Four to one for the Suns. I, I was going to say sweet, but no, I don't think – I don't think Luka's going to let that happen. I think one game is going to go off. Everybody's going to shoot lights out, like I said earlier. So four to one. Four, four to one is my final prediction. Yeah, I think I'm also going with the gentleman's sweep. Um, Luca has just been too good to think they get completely swept. Yeah. But the Mav, the Mavs supporting cast has also been that bad. Uh, they have not played well between foul trouble and offensive struggles. So I, I think I'm going with the Suns and five. BJ? Um, Cinco de Mayo, you know, high five, five on it. <laughs> Sons of five. I think it's going five. <laughs> like I think they'll get. I think Luca will get one. <laughs> it'll be probably by one point, but it'll go five. I think it's five games. Respectfully, you agree, yeah. Papa Franklin? Absolutely not. Oh. I think it's gonna oh. be a sweep. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's gonna be a sweep. It's gonna be a sweep. They don't have enough. Not even one. Not even one. They don't have enough firepower, and the ball is a little bit too stagnant. Uh, it's a little bit too stagnant. Uh, See, this, this is why I love Papa Franklin. Like all of us yeah, are like, well, Luke has been so good. I guess I'll give right. him one. No, yeah, but Papa Franklin is ruthless. Nope. No, you think, <laughs> think about it. I mean, every team has a, a, a few superstars and not, uh, some firepower. They don't have nobody. Dinwiddie <laughs> was not enough. I'm sorry. Dinwiddie's not, not it. Jalen Bronson has disappeared. Jalen Bronson has disappeared because he don't have the ball in his hands. Um, it just, it's just you don't have enough. I mean, you you can go to the Phoenix Suns bench and get more firepower than they have on their starting five. The Mavs hey. have Mark. Davis Bertans. Thank you. Oh, my bad. My bad. Three point, uh, three point I see, specialist. I see. I see your date, uh, Berton for uh, was Cam. What was his name? Uh, hey. oh, no. Johnson. no, no, yes, Johnson. We haven't even talked about what DeAndre Aiden's doing in the post, so. right? Yeah. Oh my, they God. have no Look answer up. for him. Looking like no Shaq. answer. Looking like Shaq down there. I think yeah, you, you, might, you, you might be right. Yeah, I mean, might you combine right. that. You combine DeAndre Aiden, uh, Chris Paul, and let's not and forget Devin Booker. Uh, Devin Booker, right. come on, man. You don't, you don't have no firepower. And Mikael Bridges is like. 
the put defense, the, numbers too, so. the, 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 the mitten, the glove, or whatever you call it, right. sticky oh. fingers. Yeah, you, sticky fingers. They, don't, they don't have sticky no chance. They don't, okay. they I know no it chance. might not happen, but like the Bam, uh, the the Bam um, Aiden matchup will be insane. That would be so fun to watch. I don't think happen. it's gonna happen. Yeah, it's not gonna happen, happen, but like that would be so fun to watch. So the Celtics a lot locked uh, uh, the heat up. Sorry. Okay. I like where your head's at, Papa Franklin. <laughs> uh, you talk about. You you're going to edit so, that out. Yeah, I'm going to edit that out. Pops, edit it. I have a question because I was trying to think about this. What would be the perfect piece for the Mavs there? Like, what is that one superstar that they need to win it all? Like, I couldn't – like, is it Gobert? Like, but then does it provide anything much in offense? So, like, what, what do you all think? Two things. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great question. Two things. One, with a little bit more time with Jason Kidd and, and Luca, he will evolve as a player we were talking uh, He needs to be like we talked about earlier uh, and, and, you know, getting more people involved and then hunt for your shots after instead of being so ball stagnant. Um, and I think a perfect, a perfect player, I don't know who it is, because I believe that Jason Kidd likes – Likes a Giannis type player, tall and athletic, because he put the ball in Giannis' hand, made him a point four. <laughs> so if he got another player of that caliber, they'll, they'll be deadly. <laughs> I mean, that's a chip, that's a chip right there. Like I mean, uh, that caliber, that caliber. I, mean, that I don't know who it is. Not, not, to, is. not to nitpick, but I mean that's the solution for every team. It's just to get a Giannis right. Like player, right? Right, right. <laughs> Come on, early Giannis, early Giannis, early Giannis. No, I mean, it's an interesting question, though. I mean, I, w- I would like to see I- – I think there's a few things that could work. I mean, if you get a true point guard, maybe resign Jalen Brunson, play Luka off ball a little bit more. I'd like to see how that goes. Uh, maybe you just get even more shooters and just surround Luka with shooters, let him operate, try and space it out more. Things. Two things. They need Gobert and Bradley Bill. Yes. That would be I perfect. Think, I think that would be solid. Go there that, and Bradley. That line, yo, that's crazy. That, that line but really but crazy. but Luca had to learn how to play with them. Yeah, pass the ball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, pass the ball. More like a magic. Yeah, magic yeah. Johnson. He, he, he look to me, Luca with those two players would average a triple double uh, for the season. But, I mean, let's, let's not forget, though, with with the Mavericks, uh, this is the same narrative with the Celtics last year. Uh, they're clearly missing a piece, right? They need to bring somebody else in. And that turned out not to be true. Small adjustments, new coach, new right. system. Uh, no, 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 no. Hold on. Role players. They, they brought the right pieces back. Uh, no, I these, mean, you're, you're not wrong. But I'm saying Al the narrative, and I yeah. was part of it, of this, that's what I thought too, of like, clearly the Celtics are missing a big piece. They need another star. But it turned right. out that that wasn't true, that yeah. they had everything they needed. They just needed a few adjustments and a few other role players. Yeah. And the Mavs ain't the Celtics. Hey, the you Mavs know that. <laughs> the Mavs. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you think about that five. It's it's it, that five game loss to the Nets last year was a long time ago. But I, trust me, I was there. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> the Celtics were not good last year. They were not good. They were not good in November and December either. So I mean, it, I I could easily see the Mavs being one of those teams. But but Yes. I don't know. Like, yes, I don't think you can win with Bullock. Like, and... no, they can't. They got to. They need. They need two players. One yeah, or two the players. Reggie Bullock slander. 
<laughs> I mean, he's a great, he's a good player. Like, I, first of all, I, first of all, first of all, fix your hair. That looks disgusting. Wow. <laughs> Throw Bullock, Bullock, Bullock hair. Oh, I thought you were talking about Brandon out here with the low blows. No, not you, Bullock. I know yeah, the, it's the like, low blows it's... on on Reggie Bullock going after <laughs> the going after the flow. Because uh, he can't uh, see uh, spe- <laughs> Speaking of low blows, speaking of low blows, I want to make sure we have enough time to talk about the Grizzlies and the Warriors. Okay. Ooh. I want to keep talking about the Mavs, but they're not awesome. eliminated yet. So, I mean, it's maybe a little too early to talk about the offseason, but I, fascinating topic. But let's talk about the Grizzlies and the Warriors. So, let's, let's start in game one. Um, Traymond is ejected. Flagrant two on Brandon oh. Clark. Had some thoughts about it. Uh, VJ, <sighs> what's your reaction to Draymond's ejection? Um, good call or no? I think it was a flagrant one. I don't know if it was a flagrant two. Yeah. I mean, Papa Franklin, you hold your horse. Hear me out. Hear me out. I think. Just because Draymond's reputation, yeah, that's a reputation exactly. call. That's what goes into it, and I think exactly. that it, it's a hard foul, no doubt about it. And I think that you know, it's just he's been in too many of those situations where it's like you can't give him the benefit of the doubt. Now, where I think it's a flagrant one, clearly, it he hits him in the face. That hits the criteria excessively pulls a jersey also is the criteria but I think what Draymond kind of saves himself at least in my opinion from a flavor two is he pulls him down he kind of does while he's yeah. going to the ground hold him up to at least make it a tempo like, okay I'm not trying to take this guy out I don't think he should have been ejected but I, I would have given him a flagrant one I wouldn't eject him though know? but he did have you know he did meet the criteria for a flagrant one in my opinion yeah go ahead Papa Franklin counterpoint yeah. okay <laughs> Okay, first off, he wind up and he, he wasn't going for the ball at all. He oh, hit him straight in the face. The ball was well over his head. Then okay. what, what's the point of grabbing his jersey? What is the point? Now, let me if you look at the, his trajectory of falling, he all he could have fell the same way uh Gordon Hayward did and mess up his leg. He could have. That's why he grabbed him. Listen, listen, hold on. My, my turn. I'm talking now. <laughs> Um, now why, why, okay, he got ejected. Why with the same windup, uh, Dylan Brooks did, um, to, with, uh, uh, the mitten, whatever his name is, Peyton, Peyton, he gets suspended. What's the difference? Well, hold on. We'll, we'll get to Dylan Brooks. Yeah. But what's the difference? Uh, but I think this, it, Draymond Green's reputation are, are not, are not, he still, still, should, I don't think he should, should get ejected. Maybe yes. I mean, I'm I'm I play in the ear of that was a common yeah. foul. That oh, was here a we foul. go. Here <laughs> we go. Back <laughs> in my day, that's my ear. Back Elbow in my day, the face. That, that was a common foul. You know, <laughs> you love no foul. Here we go. But but uh, but I mean, a flagrant one. Mm, I don't know. Here here's uh, where I'm at. Here's where, where I'm at. at. Um. Do I think it was a flagrant two in real time? No, I, I don't think it was. Flagrant one, for sure. Um, when you look at any play with slow-mo, it always looks a little bit worse. 
But does Draymond Green deserve the benefit of the doubt? Absolutely not. Do I feel bad oh, for him you. for one second that he was thrown out of the game? Absolutely not. This man yeah. behaves in such a way where he could be tossed oh. out of any game, whether it's for any game, flagrants, technicals, whatever. Preach. He's constantly mouthing off. He gets away with Preach. stuff that other guys don't get away with. And I am sick. Breach. No, no. That's not how you Breach. rap a game. That's not how you rap a game. That's not how you play a game. You're right. I am, they should I'm, be officiating him this way throughout the entire season. You are right. Yeah. You're totally right. But I don't yeah, feel no, that for him. I don't. I but feel I don't like I would love him on my team. <laughs> Hold on, go go ahead, Tristan. I'm probably the biggest, not not the biggest, but I'm I could probably be considered a Draymond hater. Like ever since LeBron, like the whole Warriors in Cleveland, like I've been a hater. Like I, I don't, I don't like that. With, like how you acted after you won, saying like, "Oh, we won. They at home and stuff like that." That was just—he's just a cocky player. So I don't personally like him that much. Um, but that's why I think, like, yeah, me think I, I genuinely think that he was going for a basketball play. If you put anybody else Stop. in that position. If you put anybody else so in that position, exactly like Dia. if you put anybody else in that position, you think that's a basketball play. It's a flagrant one because he did it was excessive. Oh, oh, but, but like there, there wasn't a windup. Where, where was he standing? Where, he went like this back. He drew his hand back. He was that's, what, that's the motion that you do. He, 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 he didn't jump. He, he, his feet never left the ground ever. Yes, they did. No, 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 he didn't. But, but the Draymond Green's feet never Clark left the ground. You telling me you trying to go for a block? Stop. Yeah, Clark, Stop. Clark didn't go up either. No one can block a shot. It was, it on was a six ten dude, flat footed. Exactly. He wasn't up yet. Clark wasn't up yet. <laughs> yes, he all was. Right, all right. How you put How you put him to the ground? He was in the air. Remember? After it was after the oh, it, it was after the oh, contact. Oh, oh. Look at the video, bro. Look at the video. All right. I did. I did. Let's. Let, let's get to the second Draymond incident. Okay, this isn't even the only issue Draymond Green had in this series. Yeah. Uh, Game two, huh. Draymond Green eats an elbow, yeah. um, goes back to the locker room to get stitches, and on his way, he left a little parting gift for the city of Memphis. <laughs> both birds, both hands, straight in the air, letting the Memphis fans know exactly what he thinks of them. Um and had some things to say about it in the press conference afterwards, saying he wasn't sorry, that the fans deserved it, that he was injured and they were cheering for him, and that that's super messed up, and that he makes $25 million a year, so he would gladly pay that fine. BJ, your expression matches my own. So what, what, what was your thoughts about all of that nonsense in game two? Um, I just want Draymond to shut up after for once like i feel like we never talk about draymond like what he did on the court we never talk about damn did you see that draymond green game last night we're always talking about what draymond said or what he did or his antics i mean the foul we're talking about he even he, he ran to his hotel did an emergency podcast after the game to talk <laughs> about why he got ejected who does that like what who does that like i feel like he just got too much to say He's got an opinion on everything. And then you want to, like, talk about the fact that you make $25 million a year? Okay, you want to brag about that, but, like, you want to flip the bird at the fans because they, like, cheering? Like, I don't get – I don't think he's one dude. He's a very much, like, look-at-me kind of guy. Like, he's very boastful. 
but it's not like he's out there or he's the reason that the Warriors are always so dominant. And I feel like he's very unlikable. And you see why people, you see why fans do cheer for him when he was leaving the game. He makes it easy to dislike him. So, I mean, and I think Draymond has to carry himself better because I feel like he's kind of a distraction at times. Like you answering, instead of asking questions about what you think about the game, you're asking about, are you worried about Draymond being available? Because if he gets another flagrant two, he's gone for a game. And we saw what happened in the 2016 finals. He's liable to kick somebody in the nuts and be suspended for a game. So, I mean, like, I feel like he's got to do better. Like, you can't be – just grow up and shut up and just do your job, bro. That's how stop. I feel about it. And he needs to stop being the, trying to be the victim all the damn time. He's not the victim. Reach. I mean, I'm tired of him. Well, oh, I got this. I, I, well, it's my fault. It's not my fault. And, and I did, it's not afraid. Of, stop being a victim. Yeah, I did it. Because believe me, you, me, if I was on Memphis team and he did that to my player, I definitely would have elbowed his ass in the, in, the, in, the, in the eye, in the chest, face, or whatever. Because you, you're not messing with my players like that. I, I was the big bully guy on my team, you know, uh, it, a protective guy, I should say, a protective guy. My you I love mm-hmm. that. You're the enforcer so. on this podcast now. I love that. Yeah, no, I mean that, that, that's where I'm at. I've, imagine building your entire career on antagonizing people, and then coming out in a press conference and be like, "Oh, the mean fans hurt my feelings. Right. They're so Dude. mean. Oh they're my god, mean. they're so oh messed up." First of all, okay, let's let's break this down. Okay, oh my god, yes. first of all, you're not injured. Okay, you needed some stitches. <laughs> yes, did it hurt? I'm sure it did. Would I like to be elbowed in the same way? No. But you're not injured if you needed some stitches. You're walking, you're talking, you're fine. You went back in the game. You're not injured. This is not the same thing as when KD blew out his Achilles and the Raptors fans are cheering. It's not the same thing. Stop acting like it is. You need a few stitches. You're fine. Okay? Second of all, are you really trying to flex how much money you make to average fans? Exactly. Work hard so they can come see a basketball game? Really? Really? They pay your salary. Real classy. Oh, I make 25 mil. Wow, sick, dude. You are so fucking cool. That is just amazing. <laughs> I didn't respect you, but now I do. Way to go, man. And, like, this is what you make your whole career out of. And you're going to be mad that some fans want to chirp you? Bro, stop acting like you don't care what people think. You have said that on so many occasions, but this clearly shows that you do. So stop acting like you're that dude. You're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy. I agree. Oh my God. I agree so much. Oh, he gets on my nerves. He gets on my nerves. Max, Tristan, anyway. what, what, what was your thought about all that game two nonsense? Oh, he loves Oh, man. I'm, I have so many thoughts. It's like, on the one hand, I do like that there's more player expression. Um, I, you know, there's, there's a whole crowd of, NBA fans, they're just like, all oh, the, the athletes should just, like, shut up and dribble, you know, the, the whole, like, hashtag shut up and dribble. I don't agree with that movement, but I, on the other hand, uh, I don't, yeah, like, if you, if you, um, what is it, what is it saying, calling the, 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 the kettle black? Pot <laughs> kettle, calling the kettle black. Pot yeah, <laughs> exactly. That, that's, that's what it is. Like, he, you know, you dishing it out, you, you got to be able to take it. Like, I agree with that, with what you guys are saying on that, that you can't really complain. I do believe that the reason why he does, like, he said that, I think there's, like, some emotions going into this game, like, this series. Like, they uh, they seem to be, during the season, they seem to have built up kind of this rivalry. Like, if you think about Yugo Dalla, 
the whole situation where like they, they were both saying like stay over there like we don't want you like he wasn't like you he, was, he wasn't even playing for this team like and we did good like whatever so there was like some disrespect going that way and I think it did get into Draymond's head which I mean that that just bodes well for the Grizzlies you know I don't think I don't think that in normal circumstances Draymond Green would have said that if it wasn't for the fact what? that they did get in his head. I think they did get in his head specifically for this series. I think um, that it was a it was kind of a reaction, like a compound reaction with the the, the fans booing and him just like being pissed he lost and all this. Um, but yeah, like you you got like we just said, you gotta grow up. Like you can't you can't just you know yet like be disrespectful to other teams and then not expect that to come to to, to come back to you like. I mean, Memphis, they haven't been this good in how many years? They deserve Like, they, they want to be here. Like, they, the fans are rallying around the city, around the team. You know, everything that they have done so far has been exciting. They have so much hype around them. They're just excited. Like, you can't think about that. You can't let it get into your head. And if it does, you know, it's not even about, like, was it wrong? It's also about the fact that now – like, that's all you're thinking about. You're thinking about the fans. And now you're, like, negatively impacting your team where you're not, like, bringing positive energy anymore. You're, like, also bringing that negative, that negativity, you know. Uh, just a yeah. side example, you can kind of see where maybe Kyrie, he let that Boston series, like, get into it, like, Boston fans get into his head a little bit. He didn't play as well in the, in the uh, consecutive games. So, yeah, I think... Yeah, he has to grow up. He has to get over it um, and just focus on the game. Do what he does. He brings a lot of energy to the team. Some of his antics are purposeful, like, you know, making all these gestures, like hitting his head, like he's going crazy. He's trying to, rap, like, hype up his team and, like, rally, rally around, like, the, the common cause, which is to win the game, and that's what you should focus on. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, let's move on to the Dylan Brooks ejection then in game two. So Dylan, uh, Gary Payton, the second, the mitten, the baby glove going up for a layup. And I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. Dylan Brooke hits him in the head. Just going um, for the block, going for the block, hits him in the head. Well, I mean, going for the block is debatable, but the result is not debatable. Hits him in the head. Um, I think Gary Payton and ends up just like Draymond. And hold on, I haven't even introduced this yet. Calm down. Um, you guys are already going at it. Um, I think Gary Payton ends up breaking his wrist, I believe. He's now fractured his elbow. Torn fractured his elbow. Yep. Bad injury as a result of that. So, and I mean, I'll, I'll say you can't always judge a play by the result. I think guys get suspended sometimes just because they get hurt. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it is or isn't the case in, in this one, but um, Tristan, was it dirty play or no? Well, first of all, I believe that he's also suspended for game three, right? Yeah. So that's, that's, that's pretty big. You know, like they kind of went back on their decision, uh, which, is, which is weird. Um, so I don't think it granted all that, to be honest. I do believe – that, um, you know, he hit his head. I, I do believe it was excessive and unnecessary. There's better ways of, like, preventing somebody from going to, like, to, uh, for a bucket. 
I don't, I don't think. What's the difference between Draymond? That, that was excessive. That was excessive. That was excessive. Pull him down. Gary Payton was full force. Like he's out balance when you like when he's in the air. So like, was it, Clark. Hold, but he's hold on, jumped up from standing. There's, there's yeah. difference in momentum. Here, like, I'll, I'll, a, I'll back. I'll back you up on this, Tristan. So, Papa Friend, you can say that the that the Draymond hit on Brandon Clark is a flagrant too. That's open for interpretation. But the the in my mind, the Dylan Brooks foul on Gary Payton the site is far worse. Man is airborne, gets clocked straight in the head, wind up. I mean, you can say, hold on, you can say that the that the Draymond play was a flagrant too. But in my mind, the Dylan Brooks play was far worse. Okay. I think they were both equally the same. <laughs> no. I disagree. Yeah, I, I, I the same. I mean, that, I, I've, I've been pulled out of the air before. It, when the NBA puts got together, when, when the NBA puts together footage of a defenseless player, this is exhibit A. This is exactly yeah. what they're talking about. Dude going up for a layup. I, I mean, you can argue if he was going for the ball, but I mean, clearly it was just a whole lot of head and was just way too much force. For yeah, like, do you know how much force it actually takes to block a layup? Not that much. Like, completely took him out of the play. Definitely a dirty play. I don't know if Dylan Brooks meant it to be that way. Maybe he's just playing hard. I don't think yeah. he meant to injure Gary Payton, but yeah, definitely a dirty play. Too. Definitely a dirty play. BJ, what were your thoughts on it? To me, if this wasn't a flagrant two, I don't know what is in today's game. I mean. I watched the replay a lot of times because I wanted. I actually compared it side by side too, and when you see the angle of Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks is not even in the play. He is chasing Gary Payton the second down full speed. The difference with Draymond, Draymond was in the paint in the play. Dylan Brooks forces himself into the play and chases him down, and he's not even looking at the ball. He is literally like winding up, eyes square on Gary Payton's hand. So he's he's trying to send a message. I don't think he cared if he got the ball or not. He's trying to let him know, like, nothing nothing easy, nothing cheap. So he's trying to send a message, but it just so happened that Gary Payton – also, Gary Payton is known to yam on people's heads. Like, <laughs> you jump with him, you should know what's going to happen. So I think Dylan Brooks is like, no, you're not getting a poster here. We're going to send a message. He winds up, and he hits him in the head pretty hard, might I add. And – as a guy who's up in the air, like, that's the worst thing to happen. Somebody either clips your legs, they take you out. And because you don't know how you want to land, but they always tell you, like, I think your wrist, your arms, those things give out quicker than anything. So Gary Payton was trying to brace himself. Now, I don't think Dylan Brooks was trying to break his elbow, obviously, but Gary Payton had no control over that. Because once you're in the air, you're defenseless. You can't control what happens to you. So I think had Gary Payton – just kind of landed hard, got up and shot the free throws. We look in probably a flag one, but the fact that he's actually hurt and going to miss a month, I think the NBA probably was, okay, this is why he got suspended. But, you know, you can't you can't do stuff. I think whenever the guy's in the air, that always changes it. Like, I get it. You know, Brandon Clark was going up, but he wasn't airborne, like, flying outward, you know, like Gary Payton II was. I just think you got you to gotta protect the players, like Steve Kerr said. It's a code. When guys in the air, you just kind of be careful about that. Well, I think, again, I think both of them deserve the flagrant two. I'm not saying uh, Dylan Brooks' foul was not bad, uh, but I think both the guys were in the air and, and, and very vulnerable 
to injuries, and it just so happened one of them did get injured. When you yeah. like like you said, uh, VJ, when you're in the air, you're you're at the mercy of how you fall. Period. Mm-hmm. So when you hit a grab, hit the guy, so now he's a little bit of Clark. He's a little bit dis or it, it, both of them hit the guy in the head, both um, both of the guys, and so now you're disoriented already. And then you get and then you fall down or get pulled down. You you open to to, to a lot of different types of injuries. So I believe both of them should have been flavor file, uh, flavor two. Okay. I mean, I'll I'll take it a step further. Uh, I think a suspension, a one game suspension, isn't long enough. Like when you look at that play. That's exactly – and people talk about the NBA is soft and, you know, all of these things. But – and you look at it like, oh, that's not a flagrant, all those things. But if you want um, refs to ease off on those kinds of plays, then I think you have to yeah. punish these kinds of plays. This is exactly yeah. the kind of play that I think we can all agree doesn't belong in basketball. Like, the Warriors yeah. have now – I mean, he's not a starter, but he's a key piece for them. Oh, and now the so, Warriors are without so him for the rest of the playoffs because of Dylan Brooks absolutely just taking him out of the play. And so I feel I like mean, a one game suspension isn't long enough. This should be punished a little bit more vigorously. Yeah. This is a guy that was literally starting in game two to lock down John Moran. That's how important he was like key. And not only on this series, but also on the, if they were to, if they are to make it on the next one against, you know, the Suns, like he could have locked down, maybe at least tried to lock down, that a booker. So good luck. <laughs> I know. But I mean, you know, you probably could have done a, a a better job than other players on that team, you know. So I think, yeah, this 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 is the type of play that impacts the whole offseason for the Warriors. And you're right, TC, like, you know, us as fans, we have a habit of complaining about too many injuries, but then we complain that they're the the refs are too soft. So we can't have it both ways. You know, you have to have protection for your players. And uh, now that I think about it, yeah, you, you're right. This this kind of action should be penalized even harder so that, you know, defenders stop doing that. Like, they they think about doing something like that next time they try that. So, yeah, there, there's no place for it. No place for it. Um, all right. Took us 30 minutes to get through all the antics. <laughs> Not even talking about what's going on on the court. But let's let's just get to our predictions. What? Who do you think wins this series? How many games and why? BJ, what's the key factor in how many games do you think this series goes and who comes out on top? Um, I'm going with Warriors in six, and I'm leaning on Warriors experience. I think with the last series, you saw the youth and experience for Memphis kind of – it was just fortunate that Minnesota had more inexperience and youth on their side, but I think – the, the fact that the Warriors have been there and done this before, that leans well to them. And I feel like they just have a lot more um, depth on their side. Okay. The Warriors in six. What do you think, Papa Franklin? I think Warriors in seven. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that you can't give um, a young team is confidence. And them by them winning that second game, uh, gave them a little bit of confidence. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they even still won in, 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 uh, in uh, Oakland or San Francisco, wherever the hell they are now, um, San Francisco. Um, you know, one of the things about Memphis, they rally around their play, their, their teammates. Uh, when Jaw was out, they stepped up. When whoever was out, they st- uh, Dylan Brooks was out, they stepped up. So 
they're gonna um, they're gonna be a force to be reckoned with, but I think I still think the Warriors in six. I mean, in seven. You meant six. You meant six. At seven, seven, seven. <laughs> what do you think, Tristan? Um, I think six as well. Um, I do. What I like about these young teams is this energy that they bring in. You know, like there's a lot of trash talking. You know, a lot of intensity. You can see like they're playing so emotional which makes good for a passionate, like, a uh, fan favorite matchup. But realistically, yeah, like, it's not going to bode well in the long run. Like, the Warriors, like we just said, they do have experience. They know what it's like to take – they know what it, what it takes to win. And this emotion that, that, and confidence that the Memphis are, are playing with, they're just going to run out because eventually things are going to be figured out. They're not going to get the things that they want. And when they when their trash talk doesn't lead to anything, they'll realize that they don't have as much of that caliber of championship caliber that the Warriors have. So I do like I love the Grizzlies. I mean, this series is amazing. It's it's to me right now is the best you know second round series. It's just so fun to watch. But it's just that for the for the Grizzlies, they're just making it entertaining because I do feel like. The, the Warriors are going to uh, go through. I think they're going to win both games at home right now. I think they're going to go to Memphis, probably lose that one, and then go back to San Francisco and win games, uh, game six. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, an entertaining matchup. But, you know, I think Steph Curry, Clay, I don't know what's, what's going on with them right now. They're not playing the, to the best of, or at least to what we know, like the level that they can play at. Um, I don't think it's nerves. Obviously, like they, they've been through this before. Maybe they're just trying to figure out the matchup. They have had like an up and down season. And I mean, Clay coming back from, from injuries and stuff like that, you, you can tell he's still getting reacquainted. But I do believe that that they're going to, Stefan and Clay specifically are going to figure it out and uh, pull it through. And I mean, just a this one last thing. I love Jordan Poole. Like they, that mm-hmm. pick that they made was so clutch. Props to the to the scouting report, like to the scouting staff to to pick that out and make that decision because that's a gem right there. That was a steal, and they got a star because that boy can play. No Not defense, but <laughs> no, no question. Jordan Poole is wet. Pun intended. He is wet. Yep. It's a pool party. Yes, Splash Brothers in the pool, baby. Let's see it. Um, I think I'm rolling with EJ. I, I think I like the Warriors in six. Um, I think I think game one was really the Grizzlies' shot to take control. And even though they won game two, when your margin for error with the Warriors is that small right now. They're too deep. They're too deep. They have too many ways to beat you. So I think I like the Warriors in six. Um, Grizzlies are tough. They're hard-nosed. I think Warriors win both at home. Grizzlies win game five at home. And then I, I think the home team wins out the rest of the series. So, all right. Let's go out of bounds really quick before we wrap up. Um, talk about our non-basketball-related topic. And I want to know – so, for me and Dion, it's finals – our last finals ever. And so I want to know about some finals week traditions, hacks maybe, um, or like some pregame rituals that you guys were into. I don't know if you guys are like superstitious. To my mind, like 
an athletic performance final, same type of thing. You're hyping yourself up, trying to get in the right state of mind. Like what, what are you guys superstitions in, in that way? BJ, what, what was your finals week traditions, hacks or like pregame rituals? Um, I'll tell you for finals week, I absolutely had to at least every day. I would have to play two to three hours of pickup basketball every day during finals week, either after my exam or after I studied, I would have to go play for at least two to three hours and get back to it. But that like kept me balanced instead of like studying for damn near 24 hours a day. I have to play pickup like almost every day during finals week. I love that. Huge fan of that. Kristen, what was your finals week? Like what were your hacks and pregame rituals and such? So my whole thing is if I don't sleep enough, I'm not going to do well on the exams. <laughs> I absolutely have to get my sleep in. You know, I have to get at least eight hours. So my whole thing was if I have an exam in the morning and then at one later in the afternoon, I had to take a nap in between. I called my, pre, my pre-exam nap. I, one time I was literally in the lounge of the building where I was supposed to take the exam. You know, I just put my head down and just took a little 30-minute nap. And then I finished the exam. And I was like, you know what? From now on, this is it. I have to take a nap every time before an exam because that's going to get me going. I'm going to be lucid. I'm, I'm going to know the, the answers, even though I'm not well prepared. I got this. So, yeah. <laughs> that, that's funny because one of mine is the exact opposite. Of I found for and this you know everybody's different but for me I found out that three hours of sleep for me is oh, better no. than is better than six okay eight hours is best okay I'm not pretending yeah. like I'm some kind of robot but I can get through an exam on three hours and for some reason if I get five or six that is the worst spot I can be in <laughs> the worst spot I can be in that's where I'm at oh. my most tired. So big nap guy, huge nap guy. I mean, three hours can only take you so long. You can't survive 24 hours on that. But to I mean, get through that's... one exam, yeah, you, I, I could do three hours and get through an exam. Mm-hmm. Papa Franklin, what were, what were your pregame rituals like? Well, first of for the finals uh, in college, it was a long, long, long time ago. But <laughs> I, 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 uh, I was one of those guys to crunch it all in at the last minute type, oh, yeah. like, three or four hours before the exam. Oh, shit, I got to study. And, and I did well, so it worked. Uh, for basketball, when I was playing, um, I, had to eat, uh, I had to eat a, a, a pasta, I don't care what it was, three hours before. Um, and then when I got to the gym, uh, I, did, I did 30 push-ups and 30 sit-ups every time. I don't know why. I had to do it before the game. I had to, had to do it. And, and for some reason, I felt like I can jump higher. I don't know why. Love that. So, Love that. yeah. The correlation. And, and, <laughs> well, because I wanted to, and then I, I didn't. I listened to obviously hip hop, Wu Tang Clan, and um, and 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 the favorite one was, you know, Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to f with. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, I, and I told, I'm not convinced myself. I'm getting every damn rebound. That was my specialty. Love that. Damn, the oh, enforcer. Yeah, yeah. Yes, averaging like thirty rebounds a game. Nah, <laughs> I average eighteen rebounds a game. I had Holy my most rebound. Shit. My most rebounds in one game was thirty-one. Holy, thirty rebounds. That is wild. I'm mean, looking like Russell <laughs> out here. Um, I have a few finals week traditions 
slash hacks. So like I said, with the sleep thing, huge, huge nap guy. Um, what I found out is um, when I was in undergrad, I was really social. I like to hang out with people. I like to do stuff. And so I found out I did my best studying after everyone is asleep. So like midnight to 4 a.m., that's when I studied best. Of I would wake up, go to class, um, you know, like nine o'clock or so, come back, take a nap after class, wake up around like seven, you know, go do the stuff, school events, hang out with people, whatever. And then after that, I would study into the night. And that helped me to not have any distractions. Like nobody's texting me or anything. Wow. Like I can focus. It's quiet. You know, like that, that worked for me. And um, number one tip you can, I can bestow on anyone for taking a final irrational confidence. Doesn't matter if you know the material, doesn't matter <laughs> how much you've studied. If you have an irrational confidence, <laughs> okay, that's why the confidence is irrational. Okay. Hype yourself up however you have to, and you go into that final feeling good somehow. It, it makes a difference. That's what I needed. That's what I needed. I needed you to hype me up. Oh, bro, I would have gassed you. I would have gassed you right up. My undergrad has always been like, oh, my God, I don't know this. I don't know that. Oh, how am I going to do? I mean, mean, you should do everything you can do. But once you arrive at that point, doesn't matter anymore. You got to have confidence in what you have done and don't worry about what you haven't. I agree 100%. (laughs) At that point, what's done is done and you just got to get through it. All so, right. um, one, one hack I picked up in law school is to study with smell. So the body actually has a better time remembering smells than it does sight. A lot of people like to do flashcards. Some, you know, a lot of people find that, um, effective. But what I found is when I'm like truly trying to cram and trying to like, remember certain principles and stuff, I would study with this green apple energy drink has a very distinct smell and i would make sure i would bring one with me to the exam and that helped me remember what i had crammed for oh wow yeah you see this is uh, another hack now that i think about it the brain does uh kind of like analyze your surroundings Mm -hmm. so if you study in the same room Mm -hmm. where you're going to take the exam you're going to have a better time at remembering the information that you learned for the exam because yeah. And like that recollection, like your brain is just going to pick up the environment is going to feel like, you know, pick up all these memories from uh, that environment. And then it's going to help you in the exam, which was actually proven. It's pretty interesting. Now that I think about it, I remember I'm taking a a few uh, finals and tests back in the day. I like to study with music. And mm-hmm. for some reason, I can, I, how I remember, I'm a very visual person. Uh, and, and, and when I hear it, when I heard it, like the music, it makes me think of certain, even to this day, a certain tests. Wow. And I, I remember that stuff. I can remember something that was on third grade. I don't know why. As soon as you hear that song. So I heard that song. Okay. I remember okay. Mr. Lucifer. Mr. Lucifer. Science class. Okay. <laughs> Love that. My, my last hack. This is what my my pregame meal: Chick Fil A chicken biscuit every time. 
Okay. Woo. Oh, yeah. Does, it doesn't get, doesn't upset my stomach. It's the perfect amount of food. It's enough right. to keep me full throughout the exam. So I'm not hungry. It's not too much to where my t- stomach is upset. Right in that sweet spot, baby. Well, thankfully there's no, uh, there's no finals on Sundays because otherwise you will be. Yep. Thank goodness. <laughs> Huge fan of that. Love that. All right. If you guys are listening to this, know that we appreciate you. We do. Huge shout out to Papa Franklin, Tristan, for joining us this week, talking some playoffs. It's been too long. Appreciate having you guys on. Thank you. It was amazing. Absolutely. Huge fan of you guys. Love the support you guys Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it. I I love the show. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing show. Keep it up. You know, if y'all want me, I can be back. Love that. That, that, is, that is premium gas. We appreciate you guys. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Dagger Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. Bye, guys. Peace. Appreciate it, boys. That was a good time. Hey, good luck on your exams. Yeah, it was. Yeah, good yeah, luck on the exams. It, it was great. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, man. It's, Thank it's you for having me. Oh, well, one more thing, Taylor. Don't forget yeah. to have my back with uh, Dion and the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Always. Uh-huh. All right. In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com.